Harriet the Spy by Louise Fitzhugh, Chapter 11. That afternoon, the rain beat like a spring rain against the windows of the math class as Harriet wrote. There is something going on. Sport has a toolkit he has been carrying around all day. Carrie Andrews's pocket in her sweater is filled with nails. Either they are going to build something or they're going to catch me and drive nails through my head. She looked around at everyone, then went on. Everybody whispers together all the time and nobody has said a word to me. At lunch, I had to eat my tomato sandwich all alone because every time I sat down next to them, everybody got up and moved. I got tired of moving, so I just sat and ate it anyway. She looked around again. There's something the matter with these people. Rachel Hennessy stares at me all the time with a terrible look on her face. When I was in the bathroom, they didn't know I was in there, and I heard Carrie tell Rachel that she couldn't be at Rachel's house directly after school as they had planned because she had to go home and get the flagpole first. Now, what could they want a flagpole for? They didn't even have a flag. Are they planning to put my head on it afterwards? I saw that once in a book. I better go over there after school and spy on them. I know a way to get there by the back fence. Something is up all right. Math class droned on and Harriet used the time for thinking. Finally, the bell rang and school day was over. Everyone rushed to the door. Harriet followed behind, feeling slightly ridiculous. When they were outside, everyone started off toward Rachel's house, except Carrie, who went to her house. It was embarrassing. Harriet hid in the doorway until they were out of sight. As she stood there, the rain stopped and the sun came out. She knew she should go there immediately, but it was time for her cake and milk. She stood for a minute, torn, but habit won. She turned toward her house and ran as fast as she could. She could get it all over with fast, then sneak back there. The trees flew by as she ran, then the front steps, then the steps down to the kitchen, and bang, she ran into the cook. This is too much. I'm going to quit if you do that one more time. Why can't you look where you're going? Do we have to put up traffic signals at the door? You're worse than those new trucks on the street. And so forth and so on, splutter, splutter, as she put the cake and milk on the table. Harriet took out her notebook and wrote, This cook certainly makes a lot of noise. Maybe we could get a quieter cook. I can't even hear myself think. I have to plan, but I can't plan until I know their plan. I better get going. She slammed the book shut. The cook jumped. Why in the name of everything can't you do anything without all that noise? It's a simple enough thing to close a book. It doesn't have to sound like an atomic bomb. And so on and so forth. Her voice followed Harriet all the way up to her room where she went to put on her spy clothes. First, she went to the bathroom because she hadn't in the morning. And when she was sitting there, she wrote in her notebook, I love myself. She got up and put on her spy clothes. When she was all set, she ran down the steps and out the front door, banging it after her. Rachel Hennessy lived on 85th Street in a ground floor apartment in an old building. She and her mother lived there alone because her father had gone off somewhere. There was a big garden in back, and Harriet knew just how to get there by way of the other gardens alongside. On the corner of York and 85th, there was a deserted old building about to be torn down, and between this rotten old building and a new building, there was a little alley full of cats. Several old ladies fed these cats, so there was a lot of tuna fish sitting around in some makeshift houses they had also made, which looked like beach cabanas for cats. Harriet looked around and, seeing no one, climbed over the iron railing in front of this alley. A cat with one eye stared at her. She landed with a hump and the cat with a thump, and the cat with one eye hissed and backed away. She ran to the back of the alley, her tools jangling. She climbed the fence, and from there she could see the whole stretch of block of gardens. Rachel's was the fourth one over. 
hoping that no one in the buildings would see her, or if they did, they would keep their mouths shut. She began to climb fences and run through gardens until she came to the fence right next to Rachel's garden. Through a crack, she could see and hear almost everything. She heard their voices, excited and screeching at each other, and saw a big piece of lumber rise up. Listen, Pinky, you're just stupid. This piece should go over there, not over here. This was clearly Carrie Andrews talking. Then Harriet saw the flagpole. It was a rather short flagpole, but it was a real one. At the top of it, fluttering against the blue sky, was a pair of purple socks. Harriet stared at the socks. A dim feeling began to penetrate her. She didn't know what the feeling was until her heart began to beat fast. Then she knew it was fear. Those socks made her afraid. If they could see what they if she could see what they were doing, maybe she wouldn't be afraid anymore. You're an idiot, Carrie Andrews said to Pinky Whitehead. How can I build anything without a level? Sport said to everyone in general. Then Harriet found a hole and looked through. They were building a house. Incredible. But there they were. Everyone was rushing around with tools and wood, and there was the semblance of a house emerging right in front of her. It leaned, of course. In fact, the two back walls were the corner of the fence, and it appeared to be pulling the fence down, but never mind, it was a house. Sport was in charge. He was telling everyone what to do in a very irritated way. Carrie Andrews seemed to be the second in command. Except for about three pieces of new wood, the rest was an old rotten was old rotten wood from a chest they had broken up. The three new pieces didn't seem to bear any relation to each other. There were a couple of chairs being chopped up by Pinky right at that moment. Harriet scrunched closer to the fence to see better. It was a funny scene. Carrie Andrews stood over Sport, yelling at the top of her lungs, even though her mouth was right next to his ear. Sport was hammering a floor together. Laura Peters, Marion Hawthorne, and Rachel Hennessy were running around like fools. They had no idea how to do anything. Rachel tried to hammer and smashed her finger. After a while, they got bored with trying and got into a conversation near Harriet's post. Janie joined them after an upright fell on her head. She's going to die when she finds out. Serves her right mean thing. Boy, will she be jealous. She has delusions of grandeur anyway, said Janie, rubbing her head. Harriet was puzzled. Who? Who were they talking about? She looked over and saw Beth Ellen in a corner by herself. What was she doing? She appeared to be drawing something on an old piece of wood. That was one thing Beth Ellen could do, draw. But Harriet looked more closely and saw that she wasn't exactly drawing. She was making letters on a sign in a very painstaking way. Just at that moment, the back door opened and Mrs. Hennessy called out, Okay, kids, the cake is ready. Come and get it. Homemade cake. Of course, that's why they had chosen Rachel's garden. Not everyone had a garden, but Janie did and Beth Ellen did. Beth Ellen probably wouldn't give you an olive to eat over there. Once Harriet had spent the afternoon there, and just to pass the time, had looked in the refrigerator. There hadn't been anything but a jar of mayonnaise, a jar of artichoke hearts and olive oil, and some skimmed milk. Beth Ellen had agreed with her that it wasn't enough, and, and had added that she felt hungry all the time because her nurse was on a diet and her grandmother was always out to dinner. There was a mad scramble on the other side of the fence as they all ran to the back door and piled in. Harriet felt lonely and rather hungry. She stood a minute thinking. Then she went back through the gardens the way she had come. In the alley, she noticed that there were seven cats sitting looking at her. One of them had no eyes at all. They all looked sick. She climbed the iron railing and was back on the street. She sat on the nearest stoop and wrote down everything she had seen. 
When she finished, she sat there thinking for a minute. Then she opened her notebook and tore out a blank page from the back. She wanted to disguise her writing, so she printed with her left hand. Dear Mrs. Hennessy, all those kids hate Rachel. They just want your cake. Furthermore, they will clutter up your backyard, and also they constitute a nuisance. Signed, a friend. Harriet looked quickly around. No one had seen her. She tucked her notebook away and walked hurriedly to Rachel's front door. Her heart beat fast as she walked up the steps and dropped a note in Mrs. Hennessy's mailbox. She thought she would burst. She ran so fast down the steps and all the way to East End. She'd never done anything like that before. Would she be arrested? Sometimes on television, people took notes to the police, but usually they had been thrown through a window with a rock. Maybe if you put it in a mailbox, that didn't happen. The next morning, Harriet hurried to school. The night before, it had occurred to her that maybe they had just, just hadn't gotten around to asking her over that day. Maybe it had just been an oversight. It was a slim chance, but she preferred it to a nastier thought that had begun to creep around the edges of her mind. When she went into her homeroom, she smiled at Laura Peters, who looked right back at her as though she wasn't there. It made her feel creepy, especially from Laura Peters, who smiled at everybody, who, in fact, smiled too much. Harriet sat down and wrote in her notebook in very small letters, Whatever happens, don't let me cry. Just then, Janie threw a spitball that hit her right in the face. Janie Gibbs? Janie had never thrown a spitball in her life. Janie Gibbs was above spitballs. And at me? She thought, at me? She remembered a poem she had read once, and she wrote it in her notebook. If you can keep your head when all about you, the others are losing theirs and blaming it on you. To write it down made her feel better. Miss Elson came in and they all stood and said good morning. That made her feel better too. The world went on the same after all. The same things happened every morning. So what if they didn't like her? She would go on the same. She was Harriet M. Welsh and she would continue to be Harriet M. Welsh and that was the thing to remember. She chose a clean sheet of paper and wrote Harriet M. Welsh at the top. It looked reassuringly important. As she was looking at it, with just a trace of a satisfied smile on her face, an incident happened. Rachel Hennessy passed her desk carrying a bottle of ink. It happened so fast that it was impossible to tell anything, but somehow she fell toward Harriet, and a stain of spreading, running blue ink went all over Harriet and Welsh, making it disappear and continued toward Harriet, as she watched in horror, spilling down all over her dress, down the front of her, even her legs, into her shoes and socks. Rachel started fluttering and saying, Oh, Miss Elson, Miss Elson, look what has happened! In a voice that wasn't her own at all, but it sounded, in fact, like her mother's. All the kids jumped up, and Miss Elson came running. Harriet sat despondently, blue all over. She had grabbed at the bottle, so now she had blue ink on both hands and upper arms. Every time she moved, her arms flung spots of ink on everyone, onto Pinky's white shirt, onto Miss Elson's nose, Everyone backed away, and Miss Elson said, Oh, Harriet, as though Harriet had done it. Harriet felt sodden. She sat there in her ink and didn't move. Now, dear, it's not so bad. You must simply run home and take a bath and change. You'll be back in time for math class. Rachel, that was incredibly clumsy. Sport, run to the bathroom and get some paper towels. We'll have to wipe all this up. Pinky, run with him. Bring the whole roll. My heavens, this is a mess, isn't it? There was a great deal of fuss. The interesting thing was how Rachel, Laura, Pinky, Janie, Marion, all of them cooed over Harriet while Miss Elson was watching. They helped her out of her seat, saying nice things the whole time. Then, when Miss Elson 
went to the door to grab the paper roll from Pinky Marion. Pinky, Marion poured the rest of the ink down Harriet's back. At this, Harriet turned and hit Marion across the face, making Marion's face entirely blue. Now, now, Harriet, we mustn't blame others for our own trouble. That's no way to behave. Rachel couldn't help it, and Marion had nothing to do with it. It simply was an accident, and I'm sure Rachel feels terrible about it. Oh, yes, Miss Elson, I do, Rachel piped up hurriedly. That's right. Now, you see, Harriet, when people hurt us, they are sorry afterwards, and we have to forgive them quickly so they will feel better. Miss Elson huffed and puffed. Rachel was laughing so hard behind Miss Elson's back that she almost caught that she was almost caught when Miss Elson turned to extend her blue arm toward Rachel. Now, Rachel, she must know that she, you must know that she couldn't help what she did, and you must know that too, Harriet. Harriet shot two steely eyes in Rachel's direction. Rachel smiled like an angel. I'm terribly sorry, Harriet. I must have tripped. I really am sorry. Her eyes were shining so much that Harriet knew she was one minute from falling on the floor in helpless laughter. Harriet threw her con a contemptuous glance and looked down at her blue legs. Pinky and Sport were scrubbing away, one on each leg, as Miss Elson tried to squeeze some of the ink out of the dress into a small cup. Suddenly, Harriet couldn't stand it anymore. She grabbed her notebook and wrenched herself away from all of them, flinging ink over everyone as she did. She catapulted, catapulted herself out the door. She could hear their little flurries and shouts dimly behind her as she ran down the big steps, her feet making slush, slush noises in her ink-filled shoes. The school porter put out his arms to stop her as she went by and got a blob of ink in his eye for the trouble. She ran even faster out onto the street because everyone stared at her. I'm the blue monster of East End Avenue, she thought, as she careened across 86th Street and up the block to her house. She was still leaving tracks as she entered her house, so she knew there would be spots on the rug, but she didn't care. The important thing was to get upstairs before anyone saw her. Her room reached at last. She fled into the bathroom and locked the, the, the door. There, she began frantically to peel off all her clothes while the tears, finally come, welled forth as hot as tiny knives down her cheeks. She began to run the bathwater, almost unable to see the taps. There was a knock on the door, and the cook's voice came through. What's the matter? What are you doing home? You taking a bath in there? Yes, Harriet managed to say, composing herself. What are you doing taking a bath when you're supposed to be at school? Your mom is not here. I'm all alone here. What am I supposed to do about you? They sent me home to take a bath. It's all right. Go away. Who are you saying go away to? Don't you tell me to go away. I don't see what's all right about it. I never heard of any child coming home in the middle of the day to take a bath. Well, now you've heard of it. The teacher sent me home. There was a thick silence. <sighs> Came through the door. She could almost hear the cook thinking. Finally, you're not hurt, are you? Harriet sighed. No, I'm not hurt. There was another silence. Then Harriet said, can I have my lunch in here? You already took one tomato sandwich this morning. I forgot it. The work in this house is too much. Take your bath and come downstairs. I'll make another sandwich. Tomato! Harriet shouted. I know. Tomato. Tomato. I'll be glad if I never see another tomato. And she shuffled away. Harriet sighed with relief. She put one toe in the water, immediately staining the whole tub blue. Then she lowered herself by stages into the hot tub, 
there to cry softly for a long time before she could bathe. The next afternoon after school, Harriet went stealthily over the fences again to watch. There had been no more incidents in school that day except for the fact that no one would sit with her at lunch again and no one spoke to her. She was getting used to it in a way, but then she thought there wasn't much else she could do. As she peeked through the Hennessy's fence, she could see that they had done quite a bit after the cake the other day. The whole structure of the little house was up except for a little to be done around the door. Beth Allen was still working on the sign. Sport was organizing everyone to look through the remaining lumber for two nice pieces to form the sides of the door. Rachel suddenly spoke up. My mother got a note in the mailbox yesterday. She says it was from some crank, but I saw it and I think it's from that spy. What did it say? Carrie asked. Rachel spoke importantly. Oh, it was just ridiculous. Said nobody liked me. They only liked the cake. There was a small silence. Pinky, who was hammering, said thoughtfully, well, it's very good cake. Harriet laughed to herself. Pinky always said something dumb. Janie said, oh, Pinky. Marion said, I bet it was from her because that's what she said about Rachel in that book of hers. Rachel hurried on as though she hadn't heard anything. It said a lot of things about us making a nuisance and so forth, but really it sounded just like her. I'm sure it was her. Beth Ellen got up suddenly and squeaked, I'm finished. I'm finished. They all hurried over and exclaimed a long time about how beautiful the sign was, what a good job Beth Ellen had done, and all that sort of thing. Beth Ellen stood and grinned wildly as though she had just done the Sistine Chapel. I bet you, Harriet thought, that that's the first time anybody has ever said anything nice to her. Pinky said, is it dry? Almost, said Beth Allen. Sport leaned over and said, if I pick it up by the edges, I think I can hang it up. It just needs to be nailed in over the door. He picked it up and carried it across the yard. As he was changing it from hand to hand to put it on the position the face of it turned toward Harriet, and she saw with amazement that it read, The Spy Catcher Club. The lettering was very bad. But then, what else would Beth Ellen do? Harriet sat down with a plump on the damp ground. So, it was she, Harriet, they were talking about. It was she was her. How odd, she thought, to think of yourself as her. She took out her notebook and wrote, They have a club and I'm not in it. It is also a club against me. They are really out to get me. I have never had to go through something like this. I will have to be very brave. I will never give up this notebook, but it is clear they are going to be as mean as they can until I do. They just don't know Harriet M. Welsh. Harriet got up, walked solidly to the fence, and climbed noisily over it. She didn't care if they heard her now. She knew what she had to do, and she was going to do it.